This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Reed Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow, and we are here talking money and politics with Liz Peek, Fox News contributor, syndicated columnist, and John Fund. National Review and Committee to Unleash Prosperity Hotline and John's most recent book, Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. All right, kids, thank you for coming on. John Fun, so I want you to know I got your I got your email about Al Gore. I don't, I don't like Al Gore either. He's made a lot of money about being wrong on climate change. Um at the moment, I think the bigger dummy is John Kerry, and his speech at Davos was a speech for a dummy. I mean, money, 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 money. He attacked economic growth. He attacked the Gilded Age robber barons, who are my heroes in free market capitalism. But go ahead, John. Tee off on Al Gore. Don't let me stop you. Well, I'm not going to disagree with you, Larry, about John Kerry. John Kerry has a position in government Luckily, the voters in 2000 spared us any more time that Al Gore would spend in government. So he's been a, a loud voice in the wilderness for 23 years while he takes in $2 million a month uh, from a carbon trading company. So uh, talk about uh, living well by uh, spewing nonsense. But uh, John Kerry, let's actually I'll focus on John Kerry because he's the more imminent threat. John Kerry gets up and he basically pats everyone on the back saying, you know, your commitment to the planet, your commitment to humanity is so great. Why, it's extraterrestrial. <laughs> I mean, it's so marvelous. I mean, you, you literally have separated yourself from the rest of humanity who's, who's just grubbing for, to try to make a living and, and try to feed their family. I mean, you have higher aspirations. You, you're in a higher plane of existence. I mean, at the same time, he's addressing an audience that had filled all of the airports around within two hours of Davos <laughs> with 1,500 private jets, <laughs> including John Kerry's. I know. Well, I'm sorry, that was a government jet that John Kerry flew in on. Yeah, well, it still uses fuel. <laughs> you know, Liz Peek, uh, John Kerry is the, one of the biggest dummies in Washington. Uh, he gives this speech about money, money, money. He said money nine times. He wants it's like a foreign aid program, is what it is. Uh, and and taxpayers don't want to finance it. But Liz, what really ticked me off was when he attacked the robber barons, uh, the Gilded Age. That was one of the greatest periods of economic history. Free enterprise, technology advances, and steel, and oil, and airplanes, and telephones, and telegraph. How dare he attack the robber barons? It, it's pretty extraordinary, isn't it, Larry? I mean, here you have a group of people, what John Kerry tone-deafly described as a select group of people solving <laughs> the world's problems, all of every single one of which is a pretty wealthy person, and they spend most of the week decrying wealth accumulation, mm-hmm. wanting to – Oxfam started the whole thing, the ball rolling 
at the World Economic Forum talking about how they wanted to reduce the number of billionaires in the world by half, uh, <laughs> you know, in the near future, and by taxing them. I mean, it, it, it's such a laughable event and laughable sort of collective idiocy that you kind of tend to laugh at it. We all have laughed at it. But you know what? It's also very serious because these people get together and lay down uh, policy prescriptions for the world. And they're quite serious about imposing global carbon taxing or carbon sourcing and all this stuff on everybody, including Americans. And here... I mean, I've been sitting here this week kind of thinking, what is it about the World Economic Forum that drives us all nuts? Yes, it's the hypocrisy and stuff, but it's really basically China versus the United States. Mm-hmm. And all these globalist institutions have basically lined up uh, on the side of China in terms of embracing policies, wittingly or unwittingly, that basically help China and hurt America. That's really what this is about. And you know, if you don't believe me, I mean, look at what's happened at the World Health Organization, the World Trade Organization. You go through all these globalist institutions, they're not on our side. And I think, you know, I mean, Joe Biden's clownish group is not bright enough to figure that out. I think American taxpayers are. And when they're told about it, they're told about how so-called free trade has hurt our country. You know, they're willing to listen. And, And uh, that, of course, inflames the conversation at the World Economic Forum. They're horrified that, gosh, there's an anti-globalist trend out there, including Joe Biden, who talks about friend sourcing, something that was a big topic of conversation and came in for a lot of criticism at Davos. So, I, I mean, I think it is funny, but honestly, it's not funny in terms of but, what they're trying to achieve. You know, John, a lot of this crap is reflected in Biden economic policy. Right. Yes. Right. The, 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 John, the climate zealotry, that's for sure. But also Liz's point about, you know, Oxfam, uh, let's reduce the volume of billionaires by half because Biden wants to punish success, not reward it. That's a, you know, a hangover from the Obama days. You know, you didn't you didn't create that business. We did. But that's part and parcel. And also. You know, throughout Davos, I saw a lot of sort of smaller stuff, but uh, diversity and equity and inclusion. In other words, John, all the left-wing woke climate cult stuff that you see at Davos is seems to be what Biden and the Democrats are pushing. I mean, it's the same thing. Larry, we have this week gotten the first postmortem of the Biden administration itself attacking its own energy policies. Uh, the Biden people issued a report through the State Department uh, basically saying, look, we made a mistake on Keystone. The Biden's first move uh, to placate his left yeah. was to kill the Keystone pipeline, kill jobs, kill uh, a better pathway for fuel, oil to, to be transported from Canada through, to the United States, and everybody criticized it, including Biden's labor union supporters. And Biden steadfastly stood by it. Now, with gas prices being volatile, with Russia creating turmoil in the oil markets, with, with clear problems in supply chains, what does Biden finally admit? Oh, I made a mistake. Mm. But is he going to go back and try to put the Keystone Pipeline back together again? Of course not. This is this thing, John, you're referring to. 
what, 60,000 jobs lost and I think 9 or 10 billion in output from the energy department, which they were ordered, mandated in one of these stupid bills. That's the one you're referring to? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, and what, what the Biden administration did, the Department of Energy released a report highlighting all of the positive economic benefits that Keystone would have brought and basically saying it was a net plus. Mm, but this yeah. was the same project that Biden canceled just hours after he was inaugurated. Yeah, they won't. They won't change. You're right. I mean, they're just not in a position to change. You know, Liz, just I got to take a break, but um, I'm waiting for my pals uh, in the Republican House to put up H.R. 1 or H.R. 2 uh, to reopen the oil and gas bigots. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. I haven't yeah. seen it yet. I'm a little, you know, I'm a little miffed at that. And one other point, as you know, um, Biden and Jennifer Granholm, another dummy running the energy uh, department, and nothing about energy, they said to the Republicans, don't stop us from SPRO sales because that would cause gasoline prices to go up. Liz, this is what we all said months ago, right? <laughs> this was political price fixing to get gas down. Had nothing to do with emergencies, catastrophes, and hurricanes. Had nothing to do with national security, which is what SPRO is supposed to be all about. They literally use SPRO to bring down gasoline prices. And yeah. they acknowledged it this week. And it totally, makes me furious. Totally politically motivated, totally uh, to line up for the midterm elections, because there is nothing that polls more consistently with the president's approval rating more than gasoline prices. Mm -hmm. So, yes, it was a reckless thing to do. It is. I mean, it, it just boggles the mind that they are so indifferent to the welfare of the country that they would do that. Um, but they did. Yeah. And so. You know, we are left in a weakened position uh, as a result of that. But to John's point, much more grave is the fact that we have dumbed down our oil and gas businesses uh, to the point where we're not producing what we were back in 2019. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not able to, to basically offset uh, price increases with increased production. Really, what is what are these people thinking? It, it's just pandering. It's pandering to a left-wing group of climate zealots who give a lot of money to the Democrats uh, and and basically have much more say in our policy making than they should. And finance Davos. Yeah, no question. <laughs> All right, no we're going to take a quick break. Liz Peake, Fox News contributor, John Fund, National Review Committee to Unleash Prosperity. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. Larry Kudlow on 77 WABC. The Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're here talking money and politics with Liz Peake, Fox News contributor and syndicated columnist, and John Fund, National Review, and the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Uh, John's latest book is Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. Um, kids, I want to talk about the debt ceiling, a couple things. After telling us for weeks that he won't meet with um, <laughs> Kevin McCarthy yesterday, uh, Joe Biden broke down and said, yes, OK, I'll meet with you. And they're going to negotiate over the debt ceiling. Then uh, I'm looking at a Washington Post headline on my on my phone, my cell phone. So they the post has blocked me so I can't do the whole thing. But the headline was Biden aides 
want to force GOP to abandon debt limit threats, uh, uh, by which I presume they mean spending cuts and spending caps and sequestration, all of which, in my opinion, are good things, not bad things. Um, I want to get to you, Liz, on this, but John Fund, the politics of this, is he kidding me? They think they're going to stonewall and stop the GOP from forcing spending cuts uh, in connection with this debt ceiling? How do you see it, John Fund? Well, that strategy has worked in the past, Larry. Uh, You know, we've come a long way from 10 years ago when, uh, to their credit, John Boehner and Mitch McConnell were able to use the debt ceiling to convince Barack Obama to extend the Bush tax cuts Mm -hmm. and to get some real restraint on discretionary spending. Mm -hmm. Uh, Since then, it's been, you know, a series of Mexican standoffs, and more often than not, the Republicans have blinked. Uh, I think after the pandemic and after the incredible infusion of trillions of dollars of spending into the economy, the Republicans, if they don't stand up for principle now, two things will happen. The markets and everyone will basically realize that their talk of fiscal responsibility is a sham, Mm. and their base voters will say, why in the world am I voting for these people if I want to restrain government? Because they always fold like a cheap suit if, uh, if they're confronted by Democrats saying, you're blue meanies. So I think the Republicans, both for philosophical and for practical reasons and for political reasons, have to stand firm on this. And I think that since the debt ceiling can be extended almost to, you know, Buzz Lightyear into infinity if you play enough accounting tricks, I don't think there's a hard break that they have to meet. I think the Republicans have to hold firm and will probably not resolve this until June or July if they do. So, Liz, uh, I think, John, the question is, will the Republicans blink? I think John is correct politically. They cannot blink. If they blink, they're finished. They're absolutely finished. Uh, that's the point. Financially, Liz, I'm just thinking, you know, all this nonsense brouhaha. Look, we will pay the in- the interest expense on the 10-year bonds and so forth. There will always be revenues to do that. It's a phony argument. And, by the way, Democrats don't give a damn about that, the debt. Since when? They've created so much debt of, what, $5 trillion debt in two years or something. So how how do you see this? This is a political issue, it's a financial issue, and it's a huge budget policy issue. I I think it's all of that. I mean, we saw in the first fiscal quarter that interest costs on our debt were up 37 percent, Larry. That's just the beginning. And I think voters are not stupid. I think they're going to get it. That, uh, to John's point, after spending uh, – uh, the Committee for the Federal Responsible Budget, whatever, Responsible yeah. Federal Budget, says that Biden has enabled $4.8 trillion in increased deficits over the coming year. Already we are at levels of debt to GDP we've never been at before. Some of that was justified because we had this unusual COVID shutdown, catastrophic shutdown, but now it's not. And I think – What is so offensive is that the Biden administration continued to spend even after 
the recovery was well underway, and they continue to push for more spending. And I, I do think it is time to put your foot down. The only reason that Biden says he'll meet with McCarthy, they must figure that they've got some political vulnerability here for the Corrine Jean-Pierre to come out and say, we will not negotiate. We want a clean thing. This is non-negotiable. Okay, well, two people have to get to an agreement. Congress has to agree with the president, basically, on on move, you know, steps forward. This is where they can do that. And I, I agree 100 percent. The Republicans have got to take a stand. It's a fight worth having. Uh, and I think that voters will back them up. And I think the White House must be sensitive to that or Biden would not have done a U-turn on, on me. Yes, the there you go. I think you are correct. You know, it's so funny yesterday. So I, in the in the TV, so I did my riff, Liz, and in the riff I said that Biden's going to break his, pr- his pr- yeah. pledge. I said in a few weeks, if not a few days. And then I had Jim Banks on. From Indiana, <laughs> he said. Well, he said that McCarthy just tweeted out he's going to meet with Biden. So I was wrong. It was a few minutes. <laughs> but that's a key point. He has to do this. He yeah. has to meet with him because he knows politically he's on the wrong side. But John, yeah. Fon- John, Fon- your point. Let's go. Boehner was right. You know, it's funny. Boehner gets such a bad rap from conservatives. I don't know why. Boehner toughed it out. He preserved 99% of the Bush tax cuts. He got spending caps. He got automatic, you know, sequestration, automatic uh, spending cuts. He got all that. Now, it only worked for a year or two. And then the Republicans caved in and the senators started waiving the caps. But, but essentially, McCarthy has to do what Boehner did. And the conservatives, the Freedom Caucus guys, I've interviewed almost all of them, I think they'll be totally behind him. Totally behind them. And Kevin Hassett says $3 of spending cuts for every dollar of debt increase. I don't know. I find that quite reasonable. But that's where this is going to go, John. The GOP cannot. If they do, the party may as well disintegrate. Well, remember, um, there's a a famous saying that, you know, cynics in politics believe Washington has a evil party and a stupid party. (laughs) And the reason why you don't want to have bipartisan legislation often is because you get legislation that's both evil and stupid. (laughs) And if the Republican Party is stupid enough, as it (laughs) usually is, not to stand up for its principles, they'll end up being accessories to evil, which is expanding the debt and, of course, the skyrocketing interest rates that we have, which will eventually squeeze out worthwhile government programs. One of the things that we always warned about with the Biden debt is when interest rates go up, it's going to be an incredible squeeze on some legitimate programs. That's right. There's a crowding out inside the it's budget. It's already happening. Yeah. It's already happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, that you know, look. Don't cut Social Security. Don't cut Medicare. There's plenty else to cut, including all of the – they call them mandatory, but they're not really mandatory. But it's the food stamps. It's welfare. That's right. It's housing allowances. Uh, it's You know, it's all these programs, by the way, that have no workfare. Workfare would be a huge thing to put in here because if people go back to work, then they're going to pay – taxes and they will be off welfare so it's less spending and more revenues so they go after those programs and then they go after the discretionary programs 
And, you know, Liz, there's got to, there's some waste, fraud, and abuse in the Defense Department. Everybody knows that. It's not going to be a 50-50 split, but there's some money can come out of, you know, most Absolutely. of it will be non-military, but some of it will be military. But the GOP, I mean, Liz, we'll re, we'll derail you and I'll go out and start a new political party if they blow this. Okay, <laughs> we'll just we'll do it on the air. We'll have a Fox special. We'll have a new set up a new party. Look, I I think this is doable. I mean, we've had yes. instances in the past where I mean, maybe Joe Biden in an enlightened moment, it's hard to imagine, actually takes a leaf from Bill Clinton's playbook, right? And says, "Okay, this is what we're going to do to kind of get our debt under control, get our spending under control." To your point, Larry, that was part of the agreement uh that Bill Clinton reached was mm-hmm. reducing those uh, benefits programs to make them more really equitable. I mean, that I think at some point here, the Republicans need to talk about what's fair. What's fair to taxpayers? It is not fair to taxpayers to have people earning sixty to seventy or eighty thousand dollars a year doing nothing. Mm. That is not fair. Mm. And you know, the White House talks a lot about equity and equitable outcomes. Mm. This is inequitable. So. You know, uh, disability is another one, by the way, that you could have thrown in the hopper. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that would be it. I was just looking at Twitter, and Hakeem Jeffries is talking, Americans, uh, Republicans want to blow up Medicare. No, we don't. That's not really on the table. I mean, they're going to lie, and they're going to posture. But the truth of the matter, if, if Republicans can get their act together and with a concise message about cutting spending because it's fair to taxpayers, mm. I think that sells. And it's pro-growth, and it's anti the inflation right. you know right. it's all those things and uh I, if you know, this I'll, I'll read the washington post story white house aids it's a jeff stein story so there's probably something to it but um the gop has no chance they cannot blink to use john's uh metaphor they cannot blink here i agree and i never understood i haven't really like by the way i don't know if you ever met john boehner he's a wonderful man he gets such a bad rap. I don't know why. He's a terrific man. Anyway, I'm off subject. Liz Peak, fabulous stuff. John Fun, thank you ever so much. Folks, I'm Larry Kudlow. I will be back next weekend. It's my favorite three hours of the day, of the weekend, of the year. We'll have much more. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.